What's up, friends? Glad you're joining me on the Challenging Conversation show brought to you by the Edify Podcast Network. Challenging Conversations is a podcast intended to empower Christians to be bold and not afraid to jump into controversial topics with anyone on any topic, anytime. In the next few podcasts, I'll be bringing on various experts to help parents and Christian leaders learn how to train their kids in churches with a biblical worldview. Today, we are discussing the ever-growing issue of deconversions. So many people, whether a teen or a married man or woman, are abandoning the Christian faith and posting on social media that their lives are so much freer and happier than when they were under what they refer to as restrictive religion. Is that true, though? To help us face the topic of people deconstructing their faith and ultimately deconverting from Christianity, I've invited my good friend and ministry colleague, Tim Barnett, who is a Christian apologist at Stand to Reason and the creator of Red Pen Logic on YouTube. My Canadian friend, thanks for coming on Challenging Conversations. Hey, Jason, it's good to be with you, man. Hey, just before we get started, you, you, you can say my last name, correct? Yeah, so the uh, it's Jimenez. Right? There you go. That's is right. That right. That's right. So what what the listener needs to know is the first time I saw your name come across an email at Standard Reason because we wanted to invite you as a speaker um, to our uh, now reality student apologetics conference, and um, I just, it looks like Jimenez, and so I came <laughs> to staff meeting and I, I started asking people, so who's Jason Jimenez? And they're like, who? <laughs> they didn't know say that again say that they were like please say that again <laughs> you know that kind of thing because they knew i was butchering it and and then of course i got into this like debate with them well it's not hasten jimenez <laughs> so right. why do i get to, why do i pronounce the j and anyways we yeah. got yeah. that's hilarious yeah so i i still so just yeah. so uh my listeners know i just rip on tim occasionally um, because he doesn't know how to pronounce my last name, but you've gotten it, dude. You've done so much better, and I love you for that. Okay. So, but hey, man, I, I am so well, blessed. You, know what? I what? you did practice again. I was gonna say I practice. I practice in front of the mirror. That's what I do. Oh, you did. Just to nail it. Oh, down. I feel I feel honored. Yeah, I appreciate that. Go. Yeah, you don't want to ever offend a, a biracial person, right? Um, but hey, man, I, I was gonna say I'm so glad that you're on the show. I'm so blessed by the work that you do. Uh, your wife and your three beautiful daughters, you know, just the the efforts that you have done in the last few years is tremendous. And even this discussion today, Tim, talking about, you know, people deconstructing their faith and, you know, the deconversions that you and I are seeing right now, as you said, in the reality conference, you know, you're really touching on that to help bring some clarification. And, you know, we're putting together a series. I just had Kathy Cook on, you know, she's talking about resilient kids and, you know, and then with Brett talking about deconstruction and it's just kind of general formality philosophically. And then having you on to help us kind of work through some of these discussions, because as you and I've talked about it through the years, there's, there is a lot of confusion. Um, and we really need to bring some clarity, obviously grace and truth without compromise to help Christians. Cause a lot of times you and I, when we're out there engaging people for the gospel, they'll come up to us and say, hey, my son's deconverted or they've left the faith or whatever the case may be. And so I, I do pray that this will help our listeners and people watching, but also as you and I love coming alongside church leaders, you know, pastors and people in the, in the church, this is certainly something that is becoming a major problem. And so people are constantly out there looking for answers. And so we're hoping that this will be a great opportunity to really not just help bring clarity, but, but, giving them a path, if you will, of, hey, this is how you go about responding to people who've maybe 
are going through a deconstruction or have deconverted from Christianity. So just to, to get started, um, and I always like to just kind of clarify some terminology so that we that people just understand right off the bat where we're coming from when we're talking about deconversion. So if someone says, hey, I've deconverted from Christianity, what do they actually mean by deconversion? Yeah, Jason, this is a really good question. It's a sixty-four, you know, thousand-dollar question, um, and and usually it ends up if someone says that they've deconverted or they've deconstructed, you need to ask a question. What do you mean by that? Because it turns out in our culture today, the term is being used to mean all kinds of things. Okay, it used to mean, you know, someone said, "Oh, I I could I deconverted from Christianity." What they meant was, well, they're now an atheist or something. You know, they don't believe anything to do with Christianity or, or, or God, they've left that behind. Um, today, uh, the word, you know, deconstru deconstruction or deconversion um, can mean a, a number of different things. Um, I've just been working on a book on deconstruction, mm -hmm. actually, and, um, and some use it like um, Joshua Harris, when he came out and said, you know, that he was leaving um, the faith, he was leaving the church and leaving Christianity, he used the word deconstruction, but then and then he defined deconstruction as falling away, which is what most people mean by deconversion, right? And so you can see how there's they're almost using it as a synonym in that case. But then there's other cases where someone leaves historic Christianity and they end up in something like progressive Christianity. And they may describe that as a deconstruction or a deconversion. And I actually, there's something, uh, one of our friends, Natasha Crane, mm -hmm. um, she's uh, written on a, a number of books on parenting and as, and as well on, on dealing and responding to a secular culture um, in a book called Faithfully Different. And in that book, she talks about deconversions and deconstruction, and she actually describes all these shifts in beliefs that people might call a deconstruction as a deconversion of sorts it's it's a deconversion from having your authority in scripture to having your authority in something else and she calls it the self is primary authority so when someone goes from historic christianity to progressive christianity they have deconverted they've converted uh, converted from an authority of scripture to an authority of self oftentimes um, and so we just, you need to ask the question, if someone says I've deconstructed or I've deconverted, it's really important that you follow up by asking, well, what exactly do you mean by the word you just used? Yeah, you're right. And, and, uh, I appreciate you, you know, referring to Natasha because that's a great book that she just came out with to kind of simplify these issues. But along the lines of asking the question, you know, what do you mean by that? I think also follow-up question and this would help our listeners and watchers is ask for reasons as to why they have deconverted. So in this case, what are some big reasons, main reasons, if you will, that, that people have told yeah. you specifically, because you're obviously in the ministry at Stand to Reason and your travels and you're writing a book on deconstruction right now, but what you have heard from people yeah. who said, Hey, look, I grew up in the church. My dad was an elder, my dad was a deacon, my dad was a pastor, whatever the case may be, right? I mean, we've heard them all. Um, you know, where you're at the yeah. college campus and the kid's like, hey, I did all that stuff in the youth group. I led the, you know, worship and did all the camps and all the retreats. Yeah. And, 
cited all the verses in Awana, but I deconverted from my my upbringing, you know, my childhood faith, if you will. So what are some of those yeah. reasons that you've heard as to why people have deconverted? Because that will help us then understand, like you said, what they mean by deconverting from Christianity. Yeah. Well, and, and before I give you those reasons, actually, as you were describing someone coming out and saying, look at, I grew up in the church. I went to the camps. I memorized the verses. Yeah. I did all that. And by the way, when you go online and watch the deconstruction, deconversion uh, testimonies, that's how they start. Yeah. They're showing their credentials. They're bona fides. Look at what I did. I was the kid in the pew every Sunday. I was in Sunday school and youth group and all those things. Here's, here's the question of kind of a follow-up question. So we ask, what do you mean by deconversion? What do you mean by deconstruction? I want to know what you mean by Christianity. Exactly. I want to know what you mean. When someone says, I've, I've left my faith, I've deconverted from my faith. Well, what is it? that you believe faith to be because I make a distinction between my faith and the faith, you know, the, the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And sometimes my beliefs about the faith aren't exactly what the faith is. I have to get those straightened out. And so there's things, and I, I'll admit it. There are, there are beliefs I hold right now that are, are not in line with true Christianity, of course, if I knew what those beliefs were, I'd try to align them with Christianity. You know, like all of us are trying to get true beliefs about what Christianity teaches. And some of those are really clear and easy to grasp. But other times, you know, Christians, we, we debate over these non-essential issues, mm -hmm. right? But what I found is when I listen to some of these deconversion or deconstruction stories, what they describe as the faith that they left is not historic Christianity. It is a straw man. It is something else, but it's not Christian. And so it could be that they deconverted, but what they left was never Christianity to begin with. And so, and so before we kind of look at the reasons why they, they're leaving, it's important that we ask, what is it that you left? What is it that you're leaving? Was it your routine? You went to church on Sunday. Now you're not doing that anymore. Is it, you know, the camps and the songs and the, you know, all the different trappings that, you know, Christians do? Or did you leave a relationship with the creator of the universe? And I know, I mean, I, I, that may be a question and maybe you want to put it a little different way. You want to soften it a little bit, but you really want to try to understand what they're leaving. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and that I think will give you a better sense because I mean, just go on, you know, online and you'll and type in hashtag deconstruction and look at how they characterize Christianity. Um, oftentimes it's, it doesn't resemble anything that I would consider Christianity. It's a straw man, you know, um, and that's what we respond to some of these things with red pen logic. We're yeah. trying to bring clarity. Well, you know, that's not Christian. So, so that, that might be a good, um, question to, to ask as well. So what do you mean by deconstruction or deconversion? What do you mean by Christianity? You're listening to the Edify podcast network. We'll be right back. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. 
cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I This is the Edify Podcast Network. Welcome back. Well, yeah. And so when you, when you, so when that's the thing, so if you get to that point, then let's say somebody's listening and they're having a conversation right now. So they're going to go back and they're going to say, Hey, I, I was curious when you said that you left your childhood faith, right? How you, you, you were raised in a Christian home. Um, I yeah. get the fact that what you mean is that your parents were Christian and you bought into it because you had no choice, right? It's their house. Yeah. You started to go to Juana yeah. as a kid and they said it'd be great for you. Yeah. And then you pray the prayer on your bed before, before, you know, you went to bed, you know, night with your, in your, because you were afraid of going to hell or something like that. Yeah. And you hear these stories and you're five, six, seven years old. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying they're all legit, but I'm also not defaming any of those kind of stories because some of them are, um, uh, true, you know, for that person's conversion. But now sure. when someone says though, they left that and you, and somebody comes to them and says, so what do you mean by Christianity? And they start saying what, like they start trashing God or the problem of, of evil or the Bible's, mm-hmm. you know, been concocted and hijacked and the council of Nicaea, they deified Jesus. Like, it, do you start finding that's what you're hearing when you're saying the hashtag ex evangelical, when you're saying what you see them talk about Christianity, is that what you're referring to specifically? Like how they're like, they paraphrase or they mock up what Christianity is? Yeah. yeah. So, so here's an example. Um, uh, there's a, a, a girl on Instagram. She goes by the name Deconstruction Girl or Deconstructing Girl. Okay. And if you go to her account, it's a lot of mocking Christianity, but her, but her testimony is that she was a Christian, now she's not. Okay. And, and she says in one of her tweets, and I think I responded to it, you know, the red pen, it said something like, this is not verbatim. People can check it out for themselves. She says at the heart of Christianity, central to Christianity is child abuse, Mm -hmm. child sacrifice. And it's like, well, you don't understand what Jesus did. First of all, Jesus wasn't a a baby being off like burned on the altar of Molech. Okay. He was a full grown man and not just a man, the God man. This wasn't, this was God giving his life. And so it, it just, I mean, the, the concept she describes as central core to Christianity, how she characterized it. And I should say mischaracterize it is, is nothing resembling real true historic Christianity. And so I'm left wondering if that's what you think Christianity is, then you, you don't understand Christianity. Okay. Um, and so that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. I'm working on a a video. It'll come out in a couple weeks, probably, uh, maybe next week of a, another person on TikTok who deconstructed and they're, and they're going off about how, um, what's an abusive relationship? Well, you have an abuser and a victim and the abuser puts down the victim and, and tells them how worthless they are and how broken they are and how they're nothing without them, that kind of thing. And then they, and then they turn to, well, what's the church do? Well, the church calls you a sinner and says you're worthless and go and goes. And, and, and then the conclusion is, see, the church is an abusive or, uh, the doctrines it teaches are abusive 
is trying to make this comparison, abuser, victim, the church, and all of its victims, just by telling someone they're a sinner. Again, this is a total mischaracterization of what Christianity teaches. First of all, Christianity says you are infinitely valuable mm -hmm. because you're made in the image of God. Of course, that's not in the video because that won't sell, right? Can't bring out that point that the reason we have dignity and value is because we are made in the image of God. And second of all, there's nothing abusive about telling someone that they're sick. Imagine you go to the, the doctor, the doctor finds that you have cancer. Is it abusive for the doctor to tell you that you have cancer and that without some kind of treatment, you're going to die? Is that abusive? Of course not. That's in fact, if the doctor didn't tell the patient that they have an illness that they need treatment for, that mm. would be um, malpractice. That would be something, there would be something wrong with that doctor. The doctor would be morally obligated to tell the person that they're sick. And that's exactly what the Christians are doing. We're not going around telling people they're sinners to put them down. We're telling people they're sinners because they need a savior. And then we're offering them the savior, the solution to the problem. So it's just, I mean, you can see how you watch the TikTok video, which has a million views and quarter of a million likes and, and people get the idea, well, that's Christianity. No, it's not. Yeah. It takes me and I'll do this in the video. It'll take me 60 seconds to show how ridiculous they've missed, how they've characterized Christianity and, and, and show that actually what we're offering is, is we believe that we are actually offering a cure to something like something worse than cancer. So, um, anyways, that's, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Yeah. And I think that's well said and, and it puts things in perspective, Tim, because, you know, my next question was going to ask you is, you know, who are some big names, but the reality that you and I are quickly yeah. seeing within the past year is a big name now it could be a TikToker who has several million followers and 17 years old and they're carrying on a trending hashtag that's leading other ex-evangelical or people who've left the church and they start migrating to this person. So we are beyond a political figure, a well-established, let's say, Christian leader at one time, and then you know they deconverted. And obviously, yeah. I want to throw out some names just because they do have some impact. But I was going to sure, say to you real sure. quickly when I was hearing you, I'm reminded of a very uh, prominent pastor, and he told me, he said, when people say this to me, like I've deconverted from Christianity and like you said, they have these mock-ups of what they believe Christianity to be and they start using historical narratives and these inquiries to really kind of encapsulate how the Bible came to be. And of course, it's all like hijacked the whole thing, right? Um, he looks at them and again, in grace and love, he understands that you know they have a story, they're made in the image of God and there's a lot of confusion and uh, he believes that a lot of them are false conversions as I do as well, right? Um, but he looks at him and says, but did you take the recommended dosage of Christianity, right? It's like, you know, it's like you read the, the instructions incorrectly. If that's the outcome, if what yeah. you're saying is it's yeah. the atonement of Christ on the cross is child abuse, you know, it's not just a misdirection, it's misapplying and misinterpreting the whole purpose because one thing I have certainly seen, and it's at the heart of progressive Christianity where a lot of them are migrating into right? Because they're trying to keep that spirituality. They're still trying to keep that connection with quote unquote Jesus. And that's more of a Bible head Jesus. So it's not the second person in the Trinity. It's more like 
hey, the person they think Jesus is just, a, and you talk about this a red pin logic, it's just a, an agreeable Jesus. And they just have manifested yeah. this, 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 this uh, moralistic figure, the spiritual figure who manifested this self-consciousness or this awareness of God in their own lives, again, to, to, to uplift self, like you said earlier, you know, it's just about their authority, what they believe is true to them. But what you find at the heart of it is they deny original sin. And what's interesting to your point is, and this is what people need to understand when they're saying, oh, Christianity didn't work for me. I've deconverted from that. People like Diana Butler Bass and several other people in that sphere, they're always bad-mouthing, quote-unquote, evangelical Christianity by saying, we're always bad. We're just bad people and we're all messed up. And I'm thinking, wait a second, you just completely overlooked the Garden of Eden prior to the fall, God made a perfect God made perfect people in his image. Mm-hmm. And they dismiss that. Yeah. And then they also dismiss original sin. So then like, you're right. Then atonement looks like this atrocious, horrific thing. Um, so I think you're right. Yeah. When you, when you're, when you're asking these questions, you're going to find out very quickly that their version, if you will, of Christianity is not the historical Orthodox one. And Christians need mm-hmm. to combat that with grace and truth, right? But I think we've dismissed it yeah. too often. And so that that's very helpful. So go ahead. Well, I think that original sin explains, and, and all the sin that's that's come since, explains a number of the reasons why people are deconverting or deconstructing. So, um, you know, a moment ago you had asked me about the reasons. And to me, it goes back to sin. And so a, a huge reason people will deconvert is suffering yeah. and persecution and evil in the world. Well, where's that come? It comes from sin. Um, church hurt, uh, church trauma, hypocrisy. Well, what's that about? I'll tell you what it's about. It's about sin. There is sin out there in the world and there's sin in the church as well. And so, and we got to own that, you know, some stuff, that happens in churches is um, reprehensible. Yeah. Okay, it shouldn't happen, and Christians should be the first ones to say that was wrong. That pastor abused people, and never should have happened. Um, and so we call that out. But at the same time, what ends up happening I, in the TikTok video I was describing? Well, here's like the doctrine that we are sinners. That's considered abuse as well. And so I think you have real abuse in the church, but then you have what I would call sound doctrine that's being called toxic and being called abusive. Okay, that's a different thing. That's a different thing. So you have, um, we talked about church abuse and church hurt, unanswered questions. There's, there's just this like, man, we have questions. And if you watch some of these uh, deconversion testimonies, Almost always someone says, you know what? I went to the church or I went to someone I knew who's a Christian, asked this question, and they didn't have an answer for me or they didn't have a good answer for me or, or whatever. So there's those kinds of things. There's depression, anxiety. There's broken relationships. I mean, I've known people who have gotten, gone, to, gone to our church. They seem like a good Christian couple. They end up getting divorced. And then, you know, one of the spouses just gives up on Christianity. And, uh, and so there's, there's a number of different reasons and we shouldn't be surprised by them either. I mean, Jesus in the parable of the soils, 
if our listeners remember, you know, there's the four soils and one of the soils is rocky soil. And Jesus describes how the seed lands on the rocky soil and it, it, and it springs up. Um, the plant springs up, but it doesn't really have root in itself. And then when the sun comes, scorches and, and destroys. And he talks about that being like a falling away. And the sun that scorches is tribulation and persecution. And I actually think there's lots of that going on too. Um, you know, we're, we're not the most persecuted. There's people in the world who are, you know, have knives to their throats, okay? But I do think there is a kind of persecution that happens here in the West for Christians who don't toe the line with the current philosophies and, and, um, and, and what's going on, say, with uh, LGBT issues and this kind of thing. I went to lunch with a 14-year-old, um, went to Tim Hortons. People, they're Canadian, they'll know Tim Hortons, okay? <laughs> yeah. And he tells, he tells me, Tim, I've lost all my friends. He goes to a public school and says, I lost all my friends. And I said, tell me about it. And he said, well, one of my friends of five years, best friend, we game all the time. Well, he came out as gay. And then he asked me about it. I guess it was over text messaging. What do you think about, what do you think about that? I'm, I'm gay. And he gave kind of a biblical response. And, you know, it wasn't probably the best response. He's just a 14-year-old kid, you know, but he's doing his best, truth and grace, that kind of thing. I still love you as a friend. That doesn't change anything. But here's what the Bible teaches on this issue. Well, he ended up, the, this, this friend ended up screenshotting their whole conversation and posts it to this, you know, Discord server where all their friends can see it. And then, and now he's being called a homophobic and all these other things. And his friends won't talk to him anymore. So there is a kind of persecution. And here's what he said to me, Jason. He said, Tim. I saw some videos online, TikTok he mentions, where they say that actually the Bible doesn't mean that kind of homosexuality. And actually, it's not really a sin at all. And he said, Tim, if I believe that, if that's true, I get all my friends back. And I just thought, man, mm. like, talk about, talk about the pressure on a 14-year-old. You can, you can be faithful to what you believe the Bible teaches or compromise that conviction, go with kind of what the progressive Christians are saying, and guess what? He gets all of his friends back. So um, there is, what are the reasons? Well, another reason might just be like, man, the cultural influences that are, that are pulling us in that direction. Yeah. And so I there's, think, lo yeah. there's, there's many. You're yeah. right. I mean, it, 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 a lot of it could be classified in like into in, intellectual arguments. Maybe, like you said, they had questions and they never were really answered, or they were in a, an abusive, you know, a, a spiritually abusive climate in the church, and that's all they've ever known. And so, some of these people are they're they're messed up emotionally, and and what yeah. they believe to be true spiritually and theologically, if you will. Um, based on what they were indoctrinated to believe, that could be, that that could have led them astray as well. So you're right; we can't just mm -hmm. approach someone's deconversion or as they're deconstructing their faith and assume it's the same one as that 14 year old kid, or it's the same as the yeah. person that I talked to or saw on TikTok. So it's a case by case basis. But we have to be the yeah. ones who are willing to ask not just the open ended questions, but the hard questions to understand where these people are coming from and, and hopefully, right, Tim, and this is the joy 
is to say, hey, I am so sorry. I mean, it breaks my heart. Yeah. Thank you for sharing something that hurtful or that hard, like you were wounded in the church, you know, you were struggling through things and that could be more emotional than intellectual. Again, not downgrading one over the other, but how can I pray for you? How can I help you through this? And hopefully through your witness, through your relationship, you can help somebody, you know, understand what Christianity, who Jesus is really. So that's so that that's very helpful. I appreciate you giving those different, uh, you know, not just categories, but reasons as to why some people might be deconverting or have deconverted from Christianity. So what are some names then that, you know, we've seen tossed around in media, social media world that were claiming Christ, you know, standing victorious, maybe sold out venues, and then boom, like this bombshell hits and they've declared that they're no longer a Christian. Yeah. Uh, I would say that um, there's two big ones that stand out to me. Uh, I think that for our generation, Joshua Harris yeah. was a big one. Okay. Hearing Joshua, you know, this, this mega church pastor, uh, best-selling author, you know, I kissed dating goodbye, a purity culture kind of book um, going back to the, I think it was the nineties. Right. Um, and so you, you, you got this, this big figure and he goes on, hops on um, Instagram and basically shares first that he, him and his wife are getting divorced. And then it was a week later, he follows up because people are like, well, what's going on, Josh? And he says, well, here's where I'm at with my spiritual journey. I've deconstructed. And he says, and he, and he defines it as falling away. And there was like 7,000 comments on this thing. And you could read through and you could see how people were responding. Um, there was the hostile, like, you know, well, you were never saved. You know, you're going to burn in hell. I'm not joking. That's mm-hmm. how some people respond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's like really. And, and then there was others who were chant. This is so good. You know, we're so happy for you. There were others who said, you know what? It was your post that actually led me on, started me on my deconstruction. And it's just like, it's, it's interesting how one deconstruction story can actually um, lead others to deconstruct and decon deconvert from their faith. Um, there's there's like this like like sharing a testimony can lead someone to mm-hmm. Christ. Sharing a testimony, a deconversion testimony, can lead someone away from Christ. Yeah. Um, and so uh, and that's why we need to be having these kinds of conversations so that people understand what's going on. And maybe some ways to to respond to it. So Joshua Harris, the other like massive one, bigger than Joshua Harris, was Rhett McLaughlin, mm-hmm. um, Rhett and Link. These guys are uh, on YouTube. They're huge YouTubers. Okay, um, they have a show called Good Mythical Morning. They also have a podcast called Ear Biscuits. And their um, when they shared their deconversion or deconstruction testimonies on their podcast, I mean, I think it's at 2 million views or something like that. I had people, multiple people who watched in particular, Rhett McLaughlin's cause he talks a lot about um, apologetics and how he was, you know, he, he names apologists that he was reading. And so a lot of people are like, Whoa, like here's a guy who seems to know what was going on and having the answers. Right. And then he didn't think they were satisfying anymore. And so I'm getting emails in my inbox, Tim, this is rocked my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or Tim, my youth group is reeling right now because they all follow Rhett and they're like, maybe we should be questioning our faith too. So, um, so and look, and I, I, I mean, but yeah, there's other, yeah, there's yeah, others, but I, I wanted to chime in cause you're right. Cause when I was, and I, I've never met, you know, Link or Rhett, um, but to your point, Tim, what was what was interesting about the two of them is, I mean, they served on college ministry campuses. Uh, their wives were involved, even when they both got married. Uh, you know, be, you know the best men in both weddings. They're fun guys. Or they're, they're very complimentary, like likable, just funny, down-to-earth people. Um, and then, you know, Rhett, like you said, came very hard, you know, in the science um, and was, you know, disproving, if you will, what he had believed in the creation account yeah. in Genesis. And so it, it just seemed like ironclad, like this guy has done his research. And so it wasn't just, and they, and they were very emotional to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course they felt that they were being dis, they were disowned by, a, you know, some fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and, and that sort of thing. But yeah, yeah that was a, that was, de- and it's still lingering, but you're right. When it, it's like a domino effect, they, they come out and it shakes people up. And that's why we are having this conversation again, because so people can find us and say, you know, this is how we are to respond to those kind of situations. Um, so that, that's very helpful. And I know, like you said, we can name other artists and musicians and stuff like that. But what I want to do now is throw out two scenarios because at this point, you know, w- there's no doubt in my mind that someone's listening who's deconstructing, right? They're trying to figure things out and it's not entirely good and they're confused. And there's the other person who has a friend or a child or a grandchild who says, I no longer believe I've deconverted ex-evangelical the whole bit and following these TikToker people who are coming out and maybe they're a lot more progressive, more liberal-minded. So what I want to do is I want you, um, I'm going to pose a scenario and have you respond to kind of use some of our tactics and kind of use some of the apologetics. You know, again, this is biblical training to kind of avoid some pitfalls that we oftentimes can get in because sadly, when I was writing challenging conversations, I was doing a, a vast study around the globe, really looking at how Christians, you know, share the gospel, inevitably fear or aggressiveness Right. So on one side, you got the person who's too afraid. They're the avoider. And so they just bail on any conversation. They're too scared. And then the other, you get that aggressor where they're looking to debate and fight and you're going to go to hell because of this and that, you know, really harsh. So to kind of help a, 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 a parent, uh, Tim, and you and I have children our own, right? Um, how can we, you know, if, if, if there's a Christian listening right now and there is somebody in their family or a really good friend of theirs and i just got uh, an email last week from somebody who has a close friend who's deconverted and so they're asking for advice but how how do we respond though to someone who says look when i dump that whole nonsense of being brainwashed that jesus is the only way i'm a lot happier and i'm a lot closer to god now because you're right in a lot of the deconversion stories they're not going to atheism a lot of them are going to progressive and progressive christianity that is so there is a spiritual emphasis by far because Christianity, the historical orthodoxy is barbaric, right? Old school, traditional literalist, right? Or they call them yeah. evangelical fundamentalist. So they say, when I sure, left yeah. that and I see God for who he is without the rigidity, right? That I was raised in and I'm much closer to God. 
how do we engage that person when they say that? Yeah. Okay. This is, this is really good. And, um, your listener should know, I, it, you may find yourself asking a question or trying a certain, you know, making a statement or, and it doesn't go so well. Okay. So this is the way conversations work, you know, um, they're very dynamic. And so someone may not respond as well. So I'm just going to give kind of some, some general questions and you can, you can try them or not, you know, but the first thing that came to mind when you said that I'm closer to God is I want to know it's a, what do you mean by that question? We started our conversation with that kind of question, but what do you mean by God? Um, what I find is the God they're describing isn't, uh, isn't the God of the Bible. It's, it's, they're describing themselves in a lot of ways. Okay. So their God is like looking in the mirror. It's a God of self, not a God of scripture. Okay. And so, um, a question that you might want to ask them or they might, you might want to challenge them to ask themselves, where does your view of God look more like the world and yourself than like God's word? That might be a really kind of kind of pointed question. And are there any things about your God that you might even disagree with? You know, is your God just a God of love? Well, because you want to be a, you want to be a loving person. So your God is just a God of love. But that wrath stuff and that like justice and judgment stuff. Well, you don't want to be judgmental. So guess what? The God I believe in isn't judgmental either. And he's not and he's not a God of justice because who are we to say? And so who is God to say? Notice how what I'm describing is just myself. But like I'm, I'm trying to like give those attributes to God. So the first question is, what do you mean by God? And um, my suspicion is the reason they feel like they're closer to God than ever is because they're describing themselves mm. and, and people generally are, are, you know, on the, some are narcissistic. They, they really like themselves. And so, yeah, of course, God's going to be just like me. There are some things personally that I don't know love about God in the sense that they make me feel like, Oh, I have to change. God yeah. doesn't change. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So God, you know, God, God is perfectly holy. Well, guess what? That means that my sin gets exposed when I get close to him, you know? So there are times when I don't feel so good when I'm being convicted of my sin, but that's a good thing right? Because I'm to be conformed into his likeness. We don't conform God into our likeness. Yeah. And so that might be kind of a way to get things rolling here, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then I think like a fundamental question is, you know, what is your authority? What is your authority? And if scripture is no longer your authority, then you are, you are destined to end up with a God of your own making or one that resembles the culture. That's just where you're going to go. And this is why, by the way, in the old Testament, I mean, this happens over and over again, but in the old Testament, um, the Israelites started sacrificing their kids to Molech. You can read about it in Jeremiah and, and, and God speaking through Jeremiah says, what are you guys doing? Essentially? I mean, this idea that you would sacrifice your own kids, it didn't even enter into my mind. 
Well, where, where did the Israelites get the idea? I'll tell you where they got the idea. They looked around. And what they saw was the surrounding cultures sacrificing to their gods um, their own children. Mm -hmm. And so the Israelites said, hey, well, our God must be like that too. Even though in their own scriptures, in Deuteronomy, it said this is an abomination. When the cultures sacrifice their kids, it is an abomination to the Lord. But they weren't following their scriptures. They were following the culture. Yeah. So um, there's a couple things there where you might be able to get into a good conversation about um, about you know what it is they mean by God and where they're getting their information about this God that they're 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 worshiping. And and it's not and it's to your point too. And it's not because it starts with God. Who is God? Yeah. Right. And a lot of them that go yeah. down that path of deconversion into mainly progressive Christianity, God is pan, they believe in that panentheism. So God is in the world mm. and the world is in God. So we're all becoming one, this, this oneness of God. And so, like you said, God is not this immutable, eternal, holy God, you know, who's always existed, the self-existence. They believe that we, we interpret what God is and we're becoming not a God, but we're becoming God uh, in that oneness. Yeah. So there's a distortion there and, that's what it goes back to. Christians understand what we believe about who God is biblically and start teaching that to your friends because they're, yeah. they're, they're loudly proclaiming these false views of God. And a lot of Christians, Tim, are afraid to, to step up. We're not, we're not in the business of defending God's existence. You know, God is yeah. God. He's a creator of the heavens and the earth. But it's it's unfortunate that, like you said, is when people talk about leaving a side of Christianity, because then I start asking specifics like, well, tell me a little bit more about your upbringing. Like, how were you digesting, if you will, Christianity? What did that look like on a day-to-day -day basis? Who are your mentors? Who are your influencers? And then when you start getting yeah. an understanding of their background, then we can continue to push the conversation further when they're saying, I feel freer and more spiritual now that I'm no longer a Christian, if you will. Because you and I know that that's not true. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and life. I know they deny that, but he frees us from our sin and death, like you said, and we have eternal hope. And yeah. so without Christ, there is no eternal yeah. peace. There is no eternal hope. So that that's helpful. Okay, so let's transition into another scenario then. So that's kind of responding to someone okay. says, hey, my deconversion has actually made me freer, et cetera. And I, and, and by the way, what you said earlier was so dead that on you're so right, Tim is maybe for some people getting out of a toxic environment that they associate Christianity in has been good for them. Mm -hmm. But I think if you have a yeah. good, a good, wise biblical friend, they can see that and make distinctions. So that can lead us now into this scenario. Yeah. What, what have you found to be very effective ways when engaging with someone who has deconverted from Christianity? Okay, so this is uh, this is I thought about this question because you you kind of prepped me on this one and uh, and I'm I'm glad you did because here are, here are four kind of four steps. I often think about this. What happens if uh, my oldest daughter, you know, she, Juliana, she's 11 right now. What happens in you know seven years? She's 18. She says, "Daddy, I don't believe this anymore." How would I respond? How would I engage my daughter? Okay. And so here are some things that I would want to tell that future Tim. Okay. Um, first, 
and this sometimes goes to the end of our list for whatever reason, but I would immediately start praying for my daughter. Mm. Well, I'm, I pray for my daughter currently, but we ought to bring our requests to God. And um, there is something powerful about how God works through our prayers. And I know personally mm-hmm. um, how prayer is in my parents' prayers have influenced my own life um, and, and how I'm here, like in this seat um, and where I could have been otherwise. Um, I also could share, you know, stories maybe at the end here. I'll, I'll tell you about my grandfather, but I prayed before his death. Um, actually the, the kind of the day before for an opportunity to share with him and God gave me that opportunity. And maybe I'll, I'll share that story at the end as a message of hope. Um, so prayer works. And so we ought to pray immediately for our, uh, our loved ones, but okay. Second step two, stay calm, hmm. stay calm. Okay. Cause I know, I know me and I know my wife and if our, my daughter came, we'd immediately want to start fixing things. You know what I'm saying? Like our kids come and it's like, okay, I'm going to fix this. Let's go for coffee. And I'm going to, you know, straighten out all these issues that you have, you know, that's like, but that's totally wrong headed. When someone is, when someone is going through this, Mm -hmm. um, this kind of thing, a deconstruction, or maybe they've already kind of gone through that and they're, they're decon, they've deconverted. Um, this has been a process for them. They didn't just wake up one morning and say, I don't believe anymore. You know, that's typically not how those things work. Um, maybe they've been quietly questioning and doubting. Maybe there's something going on that I had no idea. Maybe there's some abuse or hypocrisy or a broken relationship, whatever that's led to this moment. And so I'm not going to fix it in an afternoon. You know what I'm saying? So the first thing is take a deep breath stay calm. Okay. And there's a reason for that because you want them to, you want to stay in their lives. And I know as, as emotional creatures, it's in that moment, we might say something we'd, we'd, we'd regret. So stay calm and stay in their lives. You may, Jason, you, you alluded to this earlier in our discussion that it could be just the way we live our lives that ends up being almost like this fifth gospel mm-hmm. that people need to see. Look at my daughter knows a whole bunch of stuff about the Bible and Christianity way more than I knew when I was 11 years <laughs> old. Okay. She goes to a Christian school, youth group. We talk about these things, you know, kind of like that Deuteronomy thing. We write it on the doorposts. It's like, it's everywhere, you know, while we sit by the way, we rise up, we lay down, we're talking about these issues. So it's, I know what my daughter believes um what what i what i don't know is how she maybe got to this point Mm. and so this is where i need to stay calm and just listen sweetie tell me about it you know i i want you to know that first of all thank you for coming to me and trusting me with this i know that might be that's probably scary your daddy's an apologist you know your dad's an apologist he's a professional christian you know like one of these professional christians so you're coming to him and you're going to tell him that you don't believe anymore. You know what? I really appreciate you being willing to be vulnerable with me. Thank you for doing that. And, and you need to know, I love you, period. I love you no matter what. That's, it doesn't change. Doesn't, you telling me this didn't change that. You know. And so I want my daughter to feel absolutely loved 
And by the way, this is something that doesn't just happen in that conversation. It is like everything leading up to it. You know what I'm saying? Like when I dropped her off at school this morning and when I, you know, sit with her before we go to bed and kiss her goodnight over and over again, I love you no matter what. Like that's the message so that she trusts me. And then, um, so we're, we're staying calm, we're staying in their lives. And then there's going to come a time where you need to answer the questions or we call this, you know, doing, um, doing some triage. You guys, most people know how triage works. Someone comes into the hospital, they got a gunshot wound to the chest, but they got a broken finger. They're dealing with the chest injury before the finger, you know, and there's going to be questions and challenges that, that this person has, or maybe they're going through, maybe there really is some abuse. And the first thing I'm going to do is say, let's get you out of there. That church you're going to, that maybe is full of legalism and all kinds of nastiness, you got to get out of there, okay? Mm. And and maybe like maybe it's to the point where we're going to call the police, you know, like that kind of stuff. And um and so there's there's those kinds of responses that need to happen. Maybe we need to sit down to a Bible study when it comes to you know a certain theological issue. So you're you're going to prioritize. Um, kind of triage, what's the most important thing? Where's the urgency in this situation? Um, and then respond accordingly. And then finally, a piece of advice that came to my mind is, is setting boundaries. I don't want to be beating up mm-hmm. my daughter every time we get together. Like, okay, so are you a Christian yet? Okay, so um, what was that? Let's talk about Let's talk about God's existence again. You know, let's talk about Whatever that challenge is, let's talk about it every time we get together. No, let's set boundaries so that she knows and I know if we're going to talk about something, well, we arrange for it. You know, maybe it's we're going to go for coffee and we'll talk about that. But hey, at Thanksgiving or at Christmas or at your birthday, we're just hanging out. I'm your dad. You're my daughter. We love each other. We're just hanging, you know, and so and so we're going to set boundaries. And maybe there's times where she's going to be peppering me with questions. And I'm like, I just want to be your dad right now, you know? And so there could, it could work mm-hmm. the other way too. Right. So it's not just me always nagging her about her faith. She, it could work the other way too. Hey, let's go, you know, let's go to Disneyland or whatever and just enjoy each other's company. Um, so, so there's some, there's some kind of four steps or four different things that people could do practically to make sure that there's a, there's a environment there, a really safe environment that could um, initiate maybe a faith in Christ. Yeah, that's very helpful, Tim. So I, I definitely appreciate that and hope that in, encourages, I know it will, our listeners to do that. Because like you said, oftentimes we're looking, especially as a dad or something or a parent, we want to fix it. You know, if our, if our kids have doubts or yeah. if they're having issues, well, I didn't raise you to believe this way. It's like, well, that you didn't raise them to believe a certain way that they're going to do it. Um, and so coming to them on their level based around their personality and how they need to be loved is going to be very helpful. And like you said, stay calm. Don't overreact. I always encourage parents, if they have someone like you or me in their lives or a pastor who's familiar with the family uh, and you can share these things in confidence, you know, kind of maybe, you know, vent with them right? So they can help you work through things. So then when you are engaging that loved one, that you're not losing your cool, especially 
if that's what they've seen in the church, if kind of the pointing the finger, you know, you're bad, you're a sin, you're going to hell kind of thing. Um, that, that would, yeah. that'd be very detrimental. So as we close, I, I was going to ask you one last thing because you alluded to it a little bit earlier and it, sure. it kind of really ties things up and it has to deal with the difference of deconstructing and reformation. This is something you've talked about even in oh, yeah. reality conferences and, and your, in your forthcoming book that you're, you're writing with Elisa Childers. Um, what's the difference so people can understand, like if they are going through that process, how they can differentiate between if they're really trying to construct a strong faith in the Lord versus leaving uh, faith in the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is really good because what we're not saying, and this is the impression some people will get is you're saying, don't deconstruct, don't, don't deconvert, but you still have all these, you know, challenges. Maybe mm -hmm. it's the unanswered questions. Maybe it's the problem of evil. Maybe it's broken relationships or whatever. And what we're saying is you still need to respond to those things. Okay, so there's still going to be the crisis of faith. Those things happen because we live in this fallen world and so on. But how you respond to the crisis of faith can be different. You can end up in deconstruction, but you don't have to. I think there's a better way. I think there's a more Christian way. Okay, and that way is what I'm what we call reformation. Reformation. Well, what's that? This is where you're correcting and rethinking your beliefs but it's always in light of god's word god's scripture is your standard okay whereas i think when it comes to deconstruction um you're you're rethinking um your beliefs but you don't require scripture as a standard and this is where i think we can go off the rails mm -hmm. okay and so uh so reformation this is i mean this is what the bereans did this isn't yeah. like you know rocket science this is just this is when it says in act 17 that the bereans examine the scriptures daily to see if these things are so to see if they're true they went to scripture as the standard someone's making a claim someone's saying something well let's see if it's true well how do we see if it's true you go to scripture and this is what i i think martin luther did um there was lots of things in the church that were all messed up and what he did was he went back to the bible in fact, there's a um, there's this uh, Reformation kind of cry in Latin. It goes Ecclesia Reformata, Semper Reformanda, Secundum Verbi Dei. And you know, if you're a homeschooler, you probably understood that. <laughs> if you're like me and we're a public school uh, trained, then you have no idea what I just said. And it just means that the the church is all is is reformed and always being reformed, always reforming. And then that secundum verbi day is according to the word of God, according to the word of God. Mm -hmm. And that's how I want to consistently, I'm always reforming. There are views and beliefs that I held 10 years ago that I don't hold anymore. And that's because I'm trying my best to always reform my beliefs according to the word of God. And this is what we want to challenge young people to do. So always be asking those big questions. And the church needs to be willing to make room for those kinds of questions. Mm -hmm. And if certainly doubts, people are going to experience doubts. Bring them on, okay? The church should be a safe place for people to express their doubts, whether they're intellectual or emotional or volitional or whatever. And, and then we can respond accordingly. So that would be kind of the the main distinction yeah. that I would make when it comes to when it comes to kind of the Christian response to our crisis of faith 
versus um, what I think is happening right now in the culture. Well said, my friend. I, I do think you're right. And that's a good distinction to make so that people are not, if they're confused about it, like what's going on, they can start, again, you, you constructed kind of a path where they can go, kind of navigating yeah. them through the course of life that can oftentimes yeah. be very confusing. And especially when yeah. somebody was following someone along thinking they knew the way and they get lost uh, along yeah. the way. And and, and I pray, uh, Tim, that you will continue to be that light and that witness, not just to your family, but abroad as you are. And as a brother in Christ, thanking you to help people work through like that 14-year-old. God wants to use us to be his light and witness, to be his hands and feet, and to share our testimony yeah. and how Christ is not just making a difference, but how he's changed my life for all eternity. We need to be sharing that mm-hmm. in so many other people's lives, especially when they themselves either it's a false conversion or they're going through a form of deconversion or deconstructing and they need to see somebody who is faithfully living in obedience to Christ. I mean, what a world of difference. So thank you for your words of wisdom. I appreciate it. And man, I'll I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. See ya. All right, man. Thank you for coming on. God bless you. Well, my friends, that's going to be the end of our show. Thank you for Tim Barnett at Stand to Reason for coming on the show and helping us kind of work through some of these stories or these testimonies uh, of deconversion. If you want to hear more about Tim Barnett, you can go to str.org or you can go on YouTube and punch in Red Pin Logic and subscribe to his channel. Fantastic videos out there helping us think critically and clearly through a lot of the uh, misconfusion and misdirection, really, uh, that people are saying about Christianity. If this show is ministering to you, Will you do us a favor? Will you make sure that you leave us a review and tell us how this podcast is making a difference in your life? And as always, you can go to standstrongministries.org. We have articles, books that I've written, and other content to help you continue to stand strong in your faith. Until next time, keep having those challenging conversations. (laughs) 